And we're back. Another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2. It's Friday, June 9th, 2023, when we're laying down the track. Tyler Zickel from High A Vancouver coming to you from Everett, Washington, where the Canadians are very much in the mix to try and win the first half in the Northwest League in High A. And as we do here on Around the Nest, we're not just talking high A Canadians baseball. We've got an update from every rung of the Blue Jays minor league ladder. Triple A Buffalo with Pat Malacaro, Double A New Hampshire with Gareth Kwok, and our newest member of the Nest joining us from Single A Dunedin, Chris Valentine. Great to have Chris on board as well. Gentlemen, cheers to all of you, and let's get right to it so the algorithm can show us some extra love today. Pat Malacaro and Triple A Buffalo coming to us from the only ballpark in continental, well, North American continent that has a fraction as its name fifth thirds field in toledo ohio mud hens bisons this week good day to you my friend it's been a classic international league rivalry here between the bisons and the mud hens one we haven't had in nine years or four years so happy to be back in uh in fifth third field and uh looking forward to another fun chat this week as we do, we'll start with the 30,000-foot view before we land at Fifth Thirds Field to talk about some more granular information as it relates to the herd over the last couple of weeks because it's been two weeks since we've talked. Tons of action up and down the ladder and specifically for the Bisons. The ebb and the flow seems to be continuing for your club. Yeah, and really, you know, the, the interesting thing over the last couple of years is there has been very little roster turnover in terms of the position players. Sure, there have been pitchers. Uh, moved in and out over the past couple of years. And uh, there was a remarkable, still little turnover in 2021 that led to the team being uh, the AAA East Northeast Division champs. This year, you know, it, sure, there have been some players that have caught. Luis De Los Santos is a regular now in the starting lineup for the Bison. Trevor Schwecky, who will be the DH tonight, is now played in like three of the last four games. And somebody who had a cup of coffee here at the end of last season. Anderson Barger has been injured for much of this year, so we haven't seen him much. But you know, it's been remarkable how consistent the lineup has been. And I think that's one thing as we talked about at the start of the year, why the team maybe struggled is, yes, there were players like Spencer Horowitz uh, that had considerable AAA time last year, but really now asked to be the stars of this team and the leaders of this team at still yet such a young age. While all those players have settled in uh, as we close in on the final two weeks of the first half of the season – and we're seeing why. And, you know, guys like Rafael Lantigua, who have led the way from the top of the card um, in the starting lineup, um, really have found a, a nice stride over the last month. And I, I think, you know, the pitching at times, you know, has maybe maybe been the reason why the Bisons haven't picked up as many wins. Where earlier in the year, it was the, the offense that wasn't carrying the team. So it's, you're right, the ebbs and the flows and kind of how things have uh, flipped a little bit. And even though that they're, uh, the Bisons are playing about win one, lose one baseball, um, the reasons why maybe it's changed. I want to talk a little bit about the offense. You mentioned a couple of specific guys that might illuminate this that I'm going to bring up now. Third highest in on-base percentage in the International League so far this year. They strike out the least. They walk the most, but their slugging percentage is the lowest in the circuit. You talk about guys like Rafael Antigua, Luis de los Santos now, who obviously is making contributions in the short term, hasn't been with the club for the entire season, and a guy like Spencer Horwitz, who we know is much more contact and plate discipline than power, even as a first base or a corner outfielder can you talk a little bit about the approach of this lineup construction here to be able to have those stats that get guys on base but you're not going to see them racking up the extra base hits and the homers yeah and, and that's something that we've seen you know i go back to the the remarkable lack of turnover in the roster the last couple of years in that this team has kind of been built the same way 
coming out of the canceled 2020 season because of the, the level of prospects and the type of prospects and players that the Blue Jays have um, graduated through the different levels of the organization. Uh, you know, I'll add somebody like Ernie Clement to that list who is signs of free agent this offseason. Um, he's going to be a, a four or five home run guy for the team right now, and, and he'll hit his occasional home run. But his, his versatility and his ability to play multiple positions is really what leads the way uh, for this Bison team. So they don't have the traditional home run hitter. David Schneider leads the team with 12. Um, you know, he's, he's just a strong, solid player who uh, gets his hands to the zone pretty quick and, and really can turn on the ball quickly. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think we've talked about it, and I've, I've mentioned it to other people. You, you, we've grown up in, in the era where if you're a first baseman, you have to be able to just lug home runs, mash the ball. And that's not what the Blue Jays, you look back over the years, they have really tried to change, at least in terms of what the prospects at first base are, change the way you think about uh, first baseman. Rowdy Telez is now hitting home runs uh, very, very frequently in the big leagues. He started doing that with Toronto before the trade to Milwaukee. But you remember his time here in Buffalo in, in 2017 when he first debuted, hit a couple of home runs early in the year, and we thought, oh, Rowdy Telez is going to be a big bopper in the lineup after what he did with New Hampshire the year before, and it didn't really pan out. And he was a gap-to-gap hitter. Um, and, again, you had to rethink the way you look at your first baseman in terms of the power they provided. So, yes, Spencer Horwitz isn't going to be you know, a 15-20 home run guy necessarily here at AAA, but the fact that he's walked more this year in fewer games and fewer at-bats as opposed to his AAA debut last year with the team over the second half of the season, I think is very notable. The fact that he gets on base a lot, um, he's batting anywhere from three through five in the lineup uh, for Casey Candell. We're seeing him play left field a little bit more, so that versatility on display. Good. And oh, by the way, at the bottom of the order, guy like Cameron Eden with 25 steals. I'm glad right. you brought up Cameron Eden. And you know what, Pat? We lost a little bit of you there after we were chatting Spencer Horwitz. But we're just going to do it live. We are right there. This is how it happens. We deal with the Wi-Fi that we get. You're in Toledo. I'm in Everett, Washington. Chris is down in Florida. Gareth is in Pennsylvania. So we just make it happen as we do. But we got the good stuff out of that comment from you, Pat, which is most important. And I'm glad you brought up Cameron Eden because that was where I wanted to go next because it's an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about a guy who could be that stalwart at the bottom of the order, kind of that second leadoff guy. Yeah, and that's exactly where he's been all season long for the Bisons. And he has 25 stolen bases, which isn't just top 10 in the IL, but top 10 in AAA baseball overall. So when you talk about the Bisons playing good situational baseball, when Eden reaches base, um, you know, he's got those long, effortless strides that he covers a lot of ground in the outfield, the center fielder by trade, will play a little bit of the corners if, uh, there's other players that need to get some work in at center. We've seen Ada Lopez there a little bit. So whether it's that or adding those 25 steals and 26 tries, you know that is so versatile to have in the lineup. And somebody I know that has really caught the attention of a lot of folks um, that, that cover the prospects of the Blue Jay organization. And Eden has put himself on the map uh, by getting on base, getting himself in scoring position, and playing about as well as anybody in this lineup this year. Let's talk about a new addition to the pitching rotation. Paxton Schultz had a really nice debut coming up from AA New Hampshire. This is a guy that isn't necessarily going to find his way onto a lot of those lists that we see across the interwebs, but somebody out of Utah Valley who could be kind of a diamond in the rough. I remember seeing him in 2021 with the Canadians in the Hillsborough season. 
He did quite well. I think everybody was surprised at how well he did on a consistent basis. He has pitched his way all the way up to the highest rung of the ladder. And who knows where things are going to go? It's only June 9th, long season ahead. If Paxton, Paxton continues to pitch as he's been pitching, maybe he gets that call up later in this summer as we get closer to late August and September. What did you see from Paxton? Yeah, he was just very solid yesterday. Uh, you know, the, the, What you saw in 2021 uh, after being acquired in the Derek Fisher trade as the PTBNL really, um, you know, has really continued uh, starting this season in, I think, 10 starts with New Hampshire this year. You know, a couple of wins, a couple of losses, and a 3.30 ERA, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. Picked well enough to get the victory. Unfortunately, the Bison offense uh, wasn't able to give him enough support as uh, Toledo made a comeback late in the game, and uh, it was an extra inning win for the Bisons, but and he pitched well. A handful of strikeouts over five innings. He gave up just one run. Didn't look overmatched, and that's something you know, not that it's a, it's triple A, but you are moving up one level in in terms of competition. I know it's not, you know, triple A to the big league. So maybe the all the nerves aren't necessarily there, but it is a different level in the organization. So uh, I'm sure there were some nerves yesterday, but you wouldn't have seen it uh, and noticed it and really you know took advantage of a Toledo team that really was uh, didn't have a lot of great plate discipline. And I think that's something that you know, whether it's the catcher noticing that and Jamie Ritchie was calling the game yesterday or it was Paxton Schultz maybe uh, trying to work with Jamie Ritchie on, on a lot of those, you know, uh, getting those swings and misses. It's something that he did really well yesterday. And it's something the Bisons are going to need. Um, starting pitching isn't really something that they've had the luxury of the last couple of years. By the end of last season, just Casey Lawrence in the rotation. You mentioned, you know, somebody like Zach Thompson, who was designated for assignment third outright waivers and, and it's going to rejoin the Bisons. But, you know, for a time, the Bisons this week only had three starters. So getting Thompson back potentially as a starter, adding someone like Wes Parsons, who was signed after playing in Korea the last couple of years with a mid-90s fastball uh, that can give the Bisons some length. It's something the herd needs. And I'm sure this is a step that um, really the Blue Jays want to see if Schultz can excel in because um, he's going to get plenty of opportunities or at least should get opportunities here with Buffalo because uh, there is not a lot of starting pitching depth. For you, Pat, you've been watching Buffalo Bisons games for a long time. You know what it takes for guys to succeed at the highest level of the minors. Kind of expanding on Paxton Schultz and really talking about these guys who come up from AA New Hampshire. Of course, Trevor Schwecki had some AAA experience previously prior to this year. Now rejoining the herd. Luis De Los Santos coming up and making things happen. Of course, David Schneider is having a terrific season in his first full year with the herd as well. What makes a guy successful making that jump from AA to AAA? You know, you get to the upper minors, the bottleneck, you know, you've already navigated that. You could say that anybody who makes it to the top two levels of the minors, in theory, has what it takes to make it to the major leagues. The wheat has been separated from the chaff, if you will. But from your specific perspective, what are some intangibles that might be required for a guy to have success in AAA? I think it's just the, the ability and the want to continue to get better and not being satisfied by just getting here to AAA. And I think that's a, a trap that players can fall into is, all right, I've made it to the next level. And that can, that can happen at several different levels, uh, you know, throughout your journey. And I think that's what separates players is you, you see these guys like David Schneider who weren't given anything necessarily, the, the mid to late round draft picks who have had to scrap and claw their way or you know, somebody that was maybe an undrafted free agent that has had to work his way. Look at Casey Lawrence somebody who was undrafted, worked his way up to the organization, eventually came back, and really, back in 2021, wasn't pitching to much success, but went down to AA, decided to really buy in, and that, that came from re-signing with the organization in 21, and then leading by example. 
And I think having guys like Casey Lawrence uh, in this organization and showing guys that, yeah, maybe it, it might not happen until you're in your early to mid 30s. Your best success might not happen until you're 33, 34, 35, but it, it's possible. You're able to get back to the big leagues at, at, in your early to mid 30s. Uh, and for guys like David Schneider, who have just gone out and, all right, I'm going to play the outfield today. I'm at second base today. I'm at uh, you know, third base, whatever, whatever spot they're in, in, the, in the field or at the plate, they try and make the most out of it. And I think that's what, when you talk about intangibles, it's that drive to continue to get better or to get back to the level that you, you, you believe you played at um, previously because, um, you know, just the complacency of I've, I've made, I'm in AAA. Look, I'm one step away from the big leagues. All it's going to take is a couple of strong weeks to maybe get, uh, get that call up. I don't think that's sustainable. And, and I think that's the one thing about this Bison roster is uh, guys aren't taking it for granted. And, yeah, the results haven't been there all the way throughout the course of the season. But you see guys continue to try and, and work and get the positive results because if the results happen individually, they'll happen as a team as part of the, as part of the, the, the greater goal of, of the wins and losses and, and trying to build a winner because that culture of winning at the lower levels can breed winners at the big league level. And I think that's what we kind of see here at AAA this year. That secret sauce, balancing development with winning, it happens at every level of the minors, and we certainly are seeing it in AAA. Individuals continuing to perform, and although the Bison's win-loss record isn't going to say, hey, these guys are going to challenge for the International League crown this year, the first half is coming to an end in just a couple of weeks, less than two weeks, in fact. You'll finish your first, your last full home stand against Syracuse next week. Of course, you got three more games in Toledo over the course of this weekend. You'll go to Scranton the 20th, 21st, and 27th second and then we flip the switch and we look towards the second half of the season so pat as we finish with your updates this week where do you forecast this bison's team shifting towards that second half start obviously mother nature played a big role in the slow start in the first half can you get your crystal ball out for a second and kind of project how you might see this bison's club perform over the next month plus i think we'll see the team that really showed up in the last couple of weeks of may where they were able to take advantage of a Rochester team in Syracuse where, um, you know, yes, Syracuse might hit a lot of home runs, but um, they're going to, they're, they won't be able to bludgeon you to death because uh, the Bisons will be able to play good, such, such good situational baseball and, and be able to keep coming back from those, uh, those short outbursts of power. So I look at this Bison team and think, look, we talked about Paxton Schultz, a little bit about Wes Parsons. Starting pitching is going to be really rounding the form for this Bison team. So I think getting length out of your starters, not having the bullpen as taxed as much as it was, something we've talked about in the past, really happened a lot in April at the beginning of May. I think we'll see a different Bison team. And uh, when the second half starts against Worcester um, on June 28th, I think that'll be a really good litmus test right out of the gate against the Worcester team that um, can play to Buffalo's strengths. And, and we'll see if they're able to carry some of that momentum up in that first series um, because I think Norfolk's still the, still the team to beat, even in the second half. But, um, you know, if, if you're the Bisons, you'll get them at the end of the season. Maybe that's a chance for to, to win the second half. And who knows, maybe flying the same flight down to Norfolk for that three-game series. As always, Pat, where can we find your broadcast? How we, can we tune in to action from AAA Buffalo? Yeah, for those of you stateside, if you have an Odyssey station in your area and at the Odyssey app, you can find us on the Best 1520. Search it on the Odyssey app. Um, also, Bisons.com has a link to it as well. You can find the games on Valley Live, whether we're at home or on the road, MLB TV, MILB TV. And if you want to follow along as well, uh, at Pat WGR, I'm on social media as well. So uh, plenty of different ways to catch up. And uh, looking forward to our next chat, Dallas. Pat Malacaro, AAA Buffalo. Pat, as always. 
always terrific stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tyler. Let's head down to Single Aid Dunedin and check in with our newest member of the nest, Chris Valentine. Chris, good day. This is the one time where I regret that this is not a video podcast. You are putting us all to shame with that terrific mustache <laughs> that you're checking in with. But first and foremost, welcome to the nest. Really glad to finally put a face to the name. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. I'd like the preface by uh, apologizing for my voice. I've hit that part of the season where uh, about 50 games in, it's kind of failed on me. So we're, we've all uh, been there. Yeah, we're working through some issues. Uh, one of the uh, one of the nice people here, uh, I think his name's Tyler. I really want to get that right. Um, brought me some hot tea from uh, the Pirates office over here uh, in Bradenton. Uh, really thankful for that. So really hoping it can get through another day. You, that's all we can do. You know, we take it pitch by pitch in this business. And speaking of this business, just so we can give our audience a, a little bit of an inside baseball into Chris Valentine, you started with Dunedin last year and now back with the DJs here in 2023. It seems like in a more robust capacity, which is great for all of us. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your backstory and how you got hooked up with the DJs in the first place? Yes. Yeah, so um, I originally applied with the team in 2020 after they did their renovations to TD Ballpark. Uh, just as a normal game day staff, they had me uh, being the DJ, doing all the end game prompts, all the walk ups, all that kind of stuff. Uh, did that again in 2021. Uh, obviously, we had the regular season games down in Dunedin, so got a lot of experience. Got to kind of prove myself to the higher ups in the uh, in the organization. Uh, finished out the year as the DJ in 21. Then got moved into the uh, broadcaster role when they when they did a reset and got back into it. Great opportunity as well for all Blue Jays fans to get even more great stuff out of Dunedin because it was almost like it was, I don't want to say the lost affiliate because our old friend Andrew Triffley, who has now flown out of the nest onto the next nest wherever he might land, and of course we wish him the best, he was really our, our only source of information from down in the FSL, and it's easy to kind of get caught up in the fact that, you know, it's single A and they're playing at the complex and you don't get as many fans as some of the other affiliates might, but that does not mean that there's not good stuff happening down there. And so with that in mind, Chris, as you get to be a regular member of the Nest for the rest of the season, can you give us your overview of where the DJs have been at over the last couple of weeks? Well, um, talking with Pat, um about the ebbs and flows of pitching and hitting that's really been the bread and butter for how our season's been. Uh, we started off with the best ERA in the Florida state league for the first month and a half of the year. Uh, and at that same time, hitting was just not there. Uh, then it kind of flipped a little bit. The hitting started coming and pitching just wasn't there. Everybody seemed like the arms got a little tired, uh, kind of hitting that like little lull that a lot of guys end up hitting throughout a year. Um, and now it's kind of switched right back. Pitching still been really good, but hitting over the last two to three weeks has kind of dipped back down. Obviously you, uh, you've stolen our number one hitter in Peyton Williams. Uh, so our, uh, our team leader in home run went from uh seven to two. And now, uh, now it's up to three with a couple home runs of the series, but, yeah, it's it's been just once one thing starts clicking, the other just hasn't been there. 
certainly an opportunity. We talk winning and development. That's where the development begins in terms of full season affiliates is down there in single A. You talk about Peyton Williams. You might have seen from last week at the Nat in Vancouver. His first home run in high A was also his first hit. A 393-foot homer that went 103 miles per hour off the bat. This is a guy out of Johnston, Iowa. 6'5", 255. He plugs in the spot that was left open by Rainer Nunez, who got promoted to double A a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you, that is a big hoss handling first base and a guy who in batting practice puts on an incredible show. That lefty swing so quick through the zone. Our hitting coach, Ryan Wright, has already said to me how much he loves watching Peyton take BP and working with him in the cage. Certainly something that you saw down there. And of course, we're still getting a, 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 a really acclimated to the Peyton Williams experience, if you will. And another guy that the Canadians have stolen from the Dunedin Blue Jays is the starting pitcher for Sunday here in Everett for the Seas. He's going to make his high A debut, Ryan Jennings, the pride of New Braunfels, Texas. What can we expect in high A from Ryan? Yeah, uh, to start off the year, his his command was struggling a little bit. Seemed like the ball wasn't coming off the hand uh, all too well. Um, But over his last two starts uh, with the Blue Jays down here, Honestly, he couldn't get any better. Um, uh, May 28th, I believe the date was, he uh, pitched game one of a doubleheader, seven innings, finished out the game, gave up just one run, uh, seven hits, one, rather, six Ks, no walks. Um, he was he was phenomenal uh, in his last two starts. Uh, in Clearwater, facing a six-game sweep, he came out and shoved five innings pitch, just three hits, or four hits, uh, three Ks, um, really missing barrels, and that's kind of his kind of his calling card. He he doesn't give up barrels when he's on. Um, he can he can miss bats, he can do all that, but he's really good at inducing soft contact, uh, getting ground balls. Um, when the command's not there, uh, which what we saw in the beginning part of the season, it does come back to hurt him. But his uh, his fastball has definitely ticked up since the beginning of the year. I think since ninety four ninety five to start games now. Um, yeah, he's, he's a workhorse too. He can, he can put in the pitches. Um, he's not shy about going 80, 85, 90 throughout a game. Some length is certainly what the Vancouver Canadians can use as well. So excited to see him on Sunday, taking a look at the Florida state league West standings. Nobody's catching Clearwater in the first half. Obviously when you have a plus 88 run differential, like the threshers do, and you're 39 and 14 waking up on June 9th, you just got to tip your cap and say, you know what, Clearwater, they're going to take it. They've been great. And that actually speaks even more volumes as to how good Ryan Jennings was against that Threshers team when they are the only team that have scored more than 300 runs in the FSL this year. So nice to see him do his thing. Before we let you go and not only get ready for your broadcast tonight, but save some bullets for that voice, of course. Tell us about some of those top prospects, because, of course, we all love talking prospects, talking about the top 30 lists, exciting guys to look forward to. Three guys I want to get your update on, Tucker Toman, Manuel Beltre, and Brandon Barriera. Well, I'll start with Barriera. It's the easiest one. Um, currently on the IL. Uh, he got put on mid, right at the end of last series. Um, so we won't see him for a little bit. Uh, he came up. He came out hot against uh, Fort Myers. That was the one series that I have that I was not uh, a part of so far this year. But I listened to the broadcast with John Bitas in uh, in Fort Myers, and my goodness, what what I was listening to was everything that uh, Barriers expected to become. 
Um, since then, his, the couple starts that he's had, he's really been unlucky with weather, with different types of delays. His start in Tampa, which I had never seen uh, personally before, but you see it on social media all the time. There's about a 25-minute uh, sprinkler delay <laughs> on top on top of a seven-run inning that we had in uh, in the second. So he had been sitting for about 40, 45 minutes. Um, I talked with him the day after the start. Uh, he had gone out to the bullpen to, to try and keep his arm loose, and he was instructed not to actually go full warm-up until uh, we were back in play. When we got back in play, we hit a double, ground ball out, ground ball out. I, I think it took four pitches to end that inning, and he was not warmed up like he should have been. So the next inning he came out, gave up two runs, but the, the two after that, he looked fantastic again once he got his arm right. Um, and then the next week uh, was another – was a Thursday start after we had a, uh, a game rained out. He only got to go two innings. Uh, rain postponed that game again. Um, so I really feel like his stats don't do him justice. He's still shown he's got the stuff. Everything that I've seen from him on the mound looks good. The fastball looks good. Slider looks amazing. Uh, Changeup just darts away from righty bats. It's been – very impressive seeing him work and getting through all these different mountains he's had to climb that are out of his control. Um, with Toman, Toman started off the year uh, pretty pretty tough, caught it, uh, got back into the groove uh, a couple weeks after that. Uh, right now he's in a little bit of a lull. Um, his batting average has dipped down to about 230. Um, doesn't look overly comfortable at the plate right now, but um, – Again, another kid who just works like he's I was talking with a couple guys today around the clubhouse like he's been first guy in every day. Every time I pull in uh, his his car is either already in the parking lot or it's right behind mine. Um, he's always the first guy in the clubhouse from what I've seen. Um, he's going to put in the work. He's got all the stuff. He plays pretty well defensively at the moment. Um, a couple a uh, couple plays at third base that probably should have been made and he knows he should have made them. Um, but his, his range is still there. He could definitely be a shortstop moving forward and he's definitely got the arm strength. Um, to me, he's got everything that you need. Uh, he's just working through some stuff right now. Nice. With, uh, with Beltre, he's had a tough two ish weeks. Um, his, his batting average sitting around 120, 130 uh, over the last 10, 15 games. Um, he, he came out hot. He was the only guy in our, uh, in our lineup batting over 300 for quite a while. Uh, then he got hit by a pitch that broke his nose. Uh, he was on the IL for about two and a half, three weeks, came back, looked just like he did when he left. And about two weeks after that, which is the little period that we're in now, uh, he's kind of struggled to play. He's still doing well defensively. Um, it's it's just he's not gotten the results. He's still hitting the ball. Um, he's not striking out a ton, but uh, it's definitely ticked up. Um, but again, I, I feel like that's going to correct itself at some point. It's just it's a long season. You're going to go through ups and downs. Uh, it's just how you're going to work. And I can tell you I'm watching the guys work right now in the outfield. They're working. 
Nice. Absolutely. And you know, that's my, what people might forget about. It's like the, the stats don't tell the story. In fact, the stats might be the last thing you want to look at, especially at the lower level of the minors, the stuff that you just gave us, the intangibles, Toman showing up early, Barriera continuing to battle through things outside of his control. Beltre staying consistent on defense despite the offense taking a little bit of a dip. All of those things way more important than posting a, a north of 300 batting average or finding a way to have a sub-3 ERA at 20 years old or 19, fresh out of high school for some of these guys and guys who are really just beginning their pro careers. So it sounds like all three of those guys and the rest of that roster, despite what the win-loss record or the stats might say, they're trending in the right direction and speaking of trending in the right direction we get radio from the Dunedin Blue Jays this year how can we listen to your calls uh, whether or not the voice cooperates uh so before that I actually do want to give a shout out to Manuel Beltre 19th Great. birthday today. Uh, happy birthday Manny yes, B 19th birthday so finally there's a guy not on the team that's 18 <laughs> which is come to awesome. Canada we can party yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, to, to listen to the broadcast, DeneenBlueJays.com is the easiest way to get to it. Uh, on, then as well on the uh, Minor League Baseball First Pitch app. Um, and then you can follow us on social media at Deneen Blue Jays, uh, both on Instagram and Twitter. We put out the link every uh, before every game with our lineups. Yeah, uh, those are the easiest ways. Chris Valentine, thank you very much. So great to have you join us on Around the Nest. What a debut for you and battling through a, a less than 100% vocal cord situation. Be of good voice tonight, my friend. I'll do my best. I might have to take a brief stint on the IL, but we'll see. Long season indeed. Thank you very much, Chris. Single A Dunedin doing his thing. And with that, let's tap in to Double A New Hampshire. Gareth Kwok coming to us from the middle of the Susquehanna River in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, City Island. There we are as the Fisher Cats take on the Harrisburg Senators in the national system. G Kwok, good day. Hey, it's a great day to be a Fisher Cat. And, you know, I, I guess Steve and Bob had to go to the bench one more time, I suppose. <laughs> I got to bail them out again. They got to, they got to, they, they, they pointed with the left hand. Hey, you're coming off the bench. So we're running it back for another episode of Around the Nest, but glad to be here, guys. I'm just imagining Bob sandbagging you, you know, the whole time, the esteemed <laughs> broadcaster emeritus for the Fisher Cats, who's been doing it since Granite State Cats baseball began in 2004. We're going to get the big lipper on the nest at some point, but Gareth, really glad to have you. Here's the really important thing I have to know before we dive in. Are they still feeding you at the home plate uh, luxury club there in Harrisburg when my tenure there you had I was having shrimp etouffee and prime rib and all sorts of delectable gourmet delights all sorts of desserts far and away the best press food in all the minor league baseball in my opinion is that still happening there you just took the words right out of my mouth I think it's been the best press spread so far in the eastern league in my experience so far of course it's only my first season but my, my first night here, I had bourbon meatballs and like a, a, an assorted potato medley. The dessert was a Oreo churro. I was like, man, I'm, I'm living life here for this week, man. This is great. And uh, yes. last night, some orange chicken and some, some vegetables. They had some, some pot stickers. And man, I, I, was, I, I had to pace myself, of course, because I, I can't go on a full stomach for a broadcast. But if I could eat more, I would have. But uh, it was definitely an A-plus meal. 
yeah, it's something that we learn real quickly in this business. As much as we try to eat as close to starting pitch or first pitch as we can, the start of our broadcast, uh, there's a couple of bits of burger on my scorebook from last night to serve as a cautionary tale. All right, enough about the food. We could go on and on and on. Let's get to the real meat and potatoes of your updates here as we talk about what's been going on with the Fisher Cats of late. This is a Cats club that has been fun to watch. They are very much in the mix, whether it's not for the first half, but certainly to try and start the second half with some good momentum between guys who've been on the team since the beginning of the year and some recent additions as well. So give us the overview before we talk about some individual performers. Right now, the Fisher Cats have been road warriors. They've they've won six of eight in this season series against Harrisburg as we speak today here in, in FNB Field. And Right now, they're, uh, they're five games above 500 on the road. That's the road winning percentage in the Eastern League. Don't know what it is about the road versus at home, but, hey, I'll, I'll take a happy clubhouse when I go downstairs to, to, to say hi to the guys. So I'll take that any day. But, no, it's been, you know, as you said, a mix of guys who were on the opening day roster and then some reinforcements from Vancouver. And just some of the guys that, you know, I've sort of noted, Leo Jimenez, a guy who had – spent some time on the injured list for, you know, in the beginning of April and then some time in May as well, but he's been healthy now and he's been hitting over 320 uh, with six doubles and a couple of homers since being activated off the injured list uh, the last road trip in Portland. And so he's really seeing the ball. Well, he's been barreling the ball as well as playing a solid middle infield. Damiano Palmagiani, a guy who's been arguably the Fisher Cats most consistent hitter this season uh, on a nine game hitting streak right now, which is the longest by a Fisher Cat so far this year, 14 multi-hit games, which leads the team. He's his on base percentage is back at 400. Just been so consistent with the way he's been about it with his at bats. And early on in the season, it was more so being patient at the plate. He was really laying off a lot of, you know, pitches outside the zone down in the zone He's not walking as much, I'd say, the last couple of weeks, but he's just hitting the ball and putting it in play and getting base hits, just finding holes in the defense, showcasing a little bit of power, too, with seven home runs second on the team. And so you have a mix of those guys. And then some of the guys also from Vancouver, two new bats in the lineup, and Rainer Nunez, the top 30 Blue Jays prospect, Riley Tirana as well, a guy who can play corner infield, he can play right field. Tirana and Nunez in their double-A home debuts at Delta Dental Stadiums. What did they do? They hit home runs. I mean, that's just how you that's how you greet yourself to the fans of, of New Hampshire here. You got to hit a homer. So it's been a little bit of a mix of everything, as you said, Tyler, from the guys on the opening day roster to now uh, as we start to see more guys from Vancouver coming in. Chad Dallas, speaking of guys who've been added from Vancouver, he is a full dyed in the wool Fisher cat. Now he has had a couple of starts with the cats and most recently there in Harrisburg. I think what was this last night? In fact, uh, he was quite good. Uh, one solo home run, two hits over six innings. That's a quality start by the baseball textbook for sure. Cheese just has continued to perform since dominating in high A. He sure has. And I think the the one question I had coming into the start was, well, hey, we had we on Wednesday we were postponed due to the poor air quality and from the wildfires, of course. So having to push himself back a day, how would he respond? And also coming off one of his more bumpier starts where it wasn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't like a strikeout issue or, or anything like that, but it was walks. He had walked a season high six, which we hadn't seen the first couple of outings. But you mentioned a quality start. He shook off the home run early in the game and really just seemed to 
find a groove pitching six uh, solid frames with five strikeouts. And so uh, the cheese Dallas, it's, it was hard to, hard to, you know, surpass what a debut he had with double and double a with the Fisher cats where he went seven shutout innings and struck out nine. But I think he's done a nice job of, Hey, I did that. You know, I, I did that my first start here. I don't need to repeat that. You know, don't have to, you know, live up to that billing every time, just go out there and throw. And that's what he did uh, yesterday uh, as we record today. Two more pitchers that I want to talk to you about before we wrap up our update from double a New Hampshire with Gareth Kwok. Guys who are recent additions, and it's the shake-and-bake duo as they anointed themselves here in High A Vancouver, TJ Brock and Mason Fluharty. In fact, Mason Fluharty is the shake, pitching the seventh and the eighth. TJ Brock is the bake, coming in, throwing 100 miles per hour in the ninth, the pride of Cincinnati, Ohio, former Ohio State Buckeye. What have you seen in the early goings from those two guys? I know TJ had kind of a bad luck outing uh, in one of his first turns out of the bullpen. It's funny you say shake and bake because I, I came to Harrisburg on the beginning of this trip and they were wearing the tank tops, the shake and bake tank tops, as soon as we, we stepped the foot here at FNB Field. And so I got my first taste of the shake and bake duo of what it is like off the field. But on the field, the guys have been have been doing well. And as you mentioned, Brock, he did have sort of a, a rocky double A debut. But since then, back to back saves for the Fisher Cats. He's pumping gas, high 90s fastball, real hard slider. And so for him, I feel like, you know, he needed to get that first game out of the way. And now he's, you know, that that's sort of off his back now. He's got that off his back and he can work with, you know, his stuff, which is premium level stuff and back-to-back saves and has gotten the job done. And as far as Flu Hardy goes, uh, another guy who's just as a lefty, Cesar Martinez said he loves left-handed pitchers out of the bullpen that you can go to. And he's been sharp as well. Uh, on Tuesday against Harrisburg, struck out a season high four. When you pound cutters against left-handed batters away, the righties in. Uh, he, he said he'd been working on the two-seam fastball as well during the offseason. He's got a slider. So everything has movement. Everything is not going to be just right down the pipe, you know, straight at you. It's going to be something tailing in, going moving away, sharp break downward. Um, and so far they've been really um, – good additions to this bullpen two quick anecdotes about those guys we were in tri-cities washington specifically pasco taking on the angels affiliate it was so hot that our team dietitian yuka sanui had paid the pasco i should say the giza stadium concession staff to get snow cones for all the guys and so i've got a couple of great photos of those two guys with their snow cones looking happy as clams also there is a picture in our canadians clubhouse at the nat of those two guys in the ice bath together Uh, That is a great just kind of reminder of the legacy that they left. And since Mason got promoted before TJ, once Mason left, TJ was writing him letters, handwritten letters, as if he was at war and saying, my dearest Mason, we are still fighting the good fight here in Vancouver. And he showed me some of these letters. It was I got a big kick out of it. So I'm glad that those (laughs) two guys have finally been able to be reunited. So as we look ahead, Gareth, those two guys, the rest of the roster, everybody kind of establishing their identity with the Fisher Cats, whether they've been on the roster since opening day or really coming up in the last couple of weeks. As we look ahead to the second half, where is your crystal ball at? And also, how can we tune into your broadcast and stay up to date with all things Fisher Cats? You can listen into us if you're in Manchester, WGIR, 610 AM, as well as Fox Sports 930. We're on the iHeartRadio app, and you can watch home games on our live stream as well on MILB.TV. 
and the Bally Live app. So we got you all covered between me and then, you know, Steve Goldberg, Bob Lipman. Hopefully, you know, I don't have to pinch hit again, come off the bench one more time. We'll see. But, you know, I think it's just been a case so far this season where, you know, it, it took some of the adjustment an adjustment period for these players, but now you're starting to kind of see what the rotation is like, what this lineup can do when, you know, it's full healthy. And, you know, there are some guys like Leo Jimenez who's been hitting the cover off the ball since he was off the injured list. And you didn't really get to see that the early on in the season because he was hurt. And then, you know, guys like Aurelvis Martinez who it took him a little bit of time to get going. And now Aurelvis is hitting the ball hard as well as drawing walks too. He's, he's being, he's becoming a lot more patient at the plate. So I think you're starting to see now the guys, you know, it took that adjustment period, but now what they can do when they are, when they're healthy and when they've seen enough at bats and pitches and they're not, you know, doing stuff that they weren't accustomed to doing, you know? So I think in that regard, we're looking forward to a, a really solid second half. Up and down the org, second-half stars certainly seem to be emerging, and it's going to be an exciting second half of this season for all four minor league affiliates. Gareth, as always, thank you for the updates. Good luck with the conditions there on City Island uh, as you take on the Senators for the rest of the weekend. Please savor that phenomenal food for me. Have an extra plate on my behalf, please. (laughs) And also, please say hello to Terry Byron, longtime voice of the Senators as well. Gareth Kwok, thanks as always. Thanks so much, Tyler. All right, that's pretty much the end of the episode, except we are going to bring in producer Leo Mui, and he's going to ask me a couple of questions about High A Vancouver. Absolutely. Well, you know, you had Rainier Nunez uh, off of your roster now. Who is uh, the one that is really going to be driving the offense? Well, of late, it's been the 15th rounder out of Austin P. State in 2021, Garrett Spain. 14-game hitting streak, which he extended last night. But on Wednesday, it was the Spain game in Everett. The Canadians were down 5 nothing. They rallied to start with back-to-back home runs from Alan Roden, who has been terrific as a third-rounder out of Creighton, who is almost certainly going to find his way onto a top-30 prospect list, whether it's when they re-release the list this year or to start next season. He's been phenomenal. And then Spain hit a home run after that. That ended the longest stretch of scoreless innings for the Canadians' offense because they'd gotten blanked for the first time the night before. So their longest stretch without scoring a run is 13 and a third innings. That came to an end with Roden's blast. Spain homered four pitches later. Then the Seas got one in the eighth. It was 5-3. And then in the ninth, one-two pitch to Lyle Lynn, who was signed after getting released by the Diamondbacks. He's the third string catcher and has spent more time in the Blue Jays system on the development list than active. He flares a one-two pitch into shallow center that puts runners at the corners. And suddenly the Canadians are in business as Steven Machado, who's a top 30 prospect, who's still trying to figure it out in high A. He doubled home a run. Roden gets hit by a pitch. Spain comes up with two outs and on a one-one pitch hits a grand slam for his team best Sixth home run of the year, second career two-homer game, 11 total bases, the Seas trailing by five, come all the way back to win at eight to five. That was the largest deficit they erased this year as well. That game will go down in Seas lore as the Garrett-Spain game for sure, and not somebody that you would necessarily circle on the roster and say, he's going to be the guy, but Spain batting 
something like 3.30 after going one for four last night with a single and a run scored. Certainly a guy that has been so fun to watch and is a personal favorite of mine. Peyton Williams is still trying to get going, but then thinking about some other guys in, on the roster and in the lineup, Kay Doty is starting to emerge, kind of a slow start, second rounder and a competitive balance pick last year out of LSU. He is a professional hitter already, and Josh Kasovich. This is a guy out of Oregon last year who is very stoked right now with the way the Ducks have been playing. Second rounder just like Doty. He is among league leaders in batting average and on base percentage. He has reached base in all but three games he's played in this year, and somebody who's only collected three doubles, no triples, no homers, but is uh, second to Roden in terms of hits. So this is a high contact guy, great understanding of the strike zone, walks as much as he Ks, and has really started to figure it out after a stopping and starting beginning to his first full season as a pro this year. So those three guys are some guys that I'm really keying in on as we continue to try and chase that first half championship here in high A. Five of the six teams are within two and a half games of first place with what, 12 games left in the first half? I got an English degree, so mental math takes me a little bit longer than usual. So some guys certainly to be excited about. There was a little bit of a heartbreak last night, but uh, Devontae Brown also homered. So what are some positives that came out of that loss? Yeah, you know, Devontae with a, a go-ahead home run and then Naswell Paulino, the lefty who's back with the Seas this year for his second season in high A, he was lights out earlier in the series, has been fantastic all season, but for the third time all year, a reliever gave up two home runs in a game. He gave up a two-run shot to the number seven batter in the Everett Aquasock, the Mariners affiliates lineup, and then the big dagger with the Canadians trailing by a run in the bottom of the eighth, a two-out solo homer for the number nine hitter who hit his first home run of the year. That turned a 4-3 deficit into a 5-3 lead for the Aquasocks. The Canadians, a night after that five-run ninth, still rallied to score a run and then get the tying run to third thanks to a Peyton Williams infield, uh, we shouldn't say infield single, I'm not quite sure he's going to record any infield singles this year. You never know. He might. But he was put together a great at bat, got his second hit of the game, first multi-hit game for Peyton since joining the Canadians. Desan Brown comes in as a pinch runner, gets to second on a ground out, steals third with a lefty at the plate. But unfortunately, Devontae struck out to end the game with that tying run at third. But there are certainly contributions happening from up and down the lineup. I would go so far as to say the Canadians lineup each night is the deepest, the longest in the Blue Jays minor league system. Josh Kasovich, who's the number 13 prospect, is consistently batting in the bottom third of the order. So certainly great to see having that length for manager Brent LaValle has paid dividends for the Canadians. And for me... Spokane hits the ball really well in this league. Tri-City pitches really well, but the Seas are the most complete team on the mound and at the plate. And so today we're recording on June 9th, uh, that's Friday, and, and the Blue Jays just activated Mitch White. But someone else who came up with, uh, who came over from the Dodgers with Mitch is Alex DeJesus, and I think he's still in Vancouver. How is he doing? Yeah. He's very much so, and he's certainly a guy who has started to show why he was a key piece of that trade I saw on Twitter yesterday, now Nick Frosso is considered a top 100 prospect after he came went over to the Dodgers. I remember, ironically, we were in Everett last year when he struck out 10 straight batters. It was just this crazy dominant performance. And so you'd hope Alex DeJesus, in the return, would be able to have some similar numbers, albeit as a hitter, not a pitcher. He leads the league in triples with five, second on the club with five home runs. The average is not there, but this is a guy who's had a number of clutch hits. He had a two-run walk-off home run in the bottom of the 10th. He's made some great defensive plays at third base. 
played shortstop last night. For me, he's more of a third baseman, I think, in the long term. It's just his you know profile and his body continues to develop. This is a guy, I think, who more could be your third baseman instead of a shortstop, but somebody who has flashes of that top 30 prospect excellence and somebody who is quite skilled. The consistency is not quite there yet, so he'll have a game or two of some really solid showings at the plate, and there'll be a couple of times like last night where he's chasing changeups low and away against a right-handed pitcher, has had some trouble with some lefties over the course of this first half of the season as well, and has yet to put together a hitting streak longer than four games. So once those things start to get a little bit more consistent for ADJ, that's when you're going to be able to say, ah, the other piece of the Mitch White deal really coming over and, and making an impact. But he's still a youngster. You're just 21 years old and still trying to find his way. First full season in the org. I can only imagine what that's like trying to essentially restart your career with a bunch of new faces. And he has been doing so quite well, given all the other circumstances. And we'll wrap it up with our signature question. How do we listen to Vancouver Canadian baseball on the radio? This is so nice to be on the other side of these questions for once. And Leo, thanks for stepping up and doing this today. I know you're more of a behind the scenes guy, but it's always nice to hear your dulcet tones on our radio and as well as in our ear. Sportsnet 650, that's sportsnet.ca slash 650. You can find us either on your dial or as we are currently going through the Stanley Cup finals right now. Hockey takes precedence on the actual radio, and then when the hockey game finishes, we get kicked over from the alternate stream, which is still accessible on sportsnet.ca slash 650. Just got to scroll down halfway. You'll find the alternate stream. It'll say Vancouver Canadians baseball. So either the alt stream or the main feed on Sportsnet, of course, Bally Live, the MILB First Pitch app, and we are really proud of our Bally Live and MILB TV broadcast. For my money, pound for pound, I think we can certainly swing it with the best broadcast in minor league baseball. And I'd be willing to bet, take me out of it. I'm talking about our production staff, our producer, camera people, the angles we get at our historic ballpark in Vancouver. Might be a couple of big league broadcasts that we can compete with as well. They could take me out and bring anybody in. But in terms of what they do to put on a a great show every night, really love having that in our back pocket as well on MILB TV. So any way you can find any of the other affiliates, find us as well at Van Canadians across social media, canadiansbaseball.com. And if you're going to make it out to Ontario Street to catch a Canadians game, please get in touch with me at Tyler underscore Zickel, Z-I-C-K-E-L. Do you hear my Canadian right there, Leo? Zed? I've had to teach myself. Z-I-C-K-E-L instead of Z-I-C-K-E-L. But anyways, no matter how you say it or spell it, Let me know if you're coming out to the ballpark. Would love to shake a hand and say hello to anybody who tunes into Around the Nest and finds their way out to Ontario Street to our 72-year-old ballpark in Vancouver. So another edition of Around the Nest in the books. Got to thank all of our affiliates. Of course, AAA Buffalo, Pat Malacaro, Gareth Kwok from AA, and Chris Valentine making my heart swoon today as the first edition from from the Florida State League features our newest member of the nest. A fun one up and down on this Friday, June 9th, two weeks until our next edition as we roll it again on Around the Nest.